Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at the Heidi St. John podcast. This is Off the Bench. And today we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And I'm going to air part two of a series that I'm doing on marriage called Hot Monogamy. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So welcome, you guys. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, We took a little bit of a break so that you could hear from my friends, Mark and Amber Archer. They have an amazing new film out called The Mind Polluters. And some of you guys are asking me about it. I'm looking at uh, questions that are coming in for the podcast right now. And I just want to let you know, I think it's important. It's a very, very important film to watch. It is also very hard to watch. Uh, I'll just be honest. We, We screened it here at the Homeschool Resource Center for quite a few people. And this is not um, a topic that's uh, friendly for children. So you're not going to want to sit down and, you know, watch it with your kids unless, you know, they're adults or at least in high school. But uh, they're they're explaining or exposing rather very, very clearly what's happening in our public schools and how our children are being injured. And when I say injured, I'm not joking. They are being injured body, soul, mind, and spirit. And we know because God teaches us that the sexual relationship is a very precious one. Sex is precious. God made it. And it's a good thing. And what we're watching now is the world is absolutely taking a full aim at distorting God's idea of sex, particularly as it relates between male and female and in marriage. And it's part of the reason why I decided to just take a brief a break from what we've been talking about, right? So There's amazing things coming down right now from the Supreme Court. I expect that any minute we're going to get a ruling on abortion on Roe v. Wade. SCOTUS is set to turn that in. So keep listening for that. And also, there are some very interesting things happening with regard to red flag gun laws and bipartisan legislation coming out of the United States Congress that will directly, could potentially directly impact the Second Amendment. And so keep watching those things. I'm certainly watching them here from my position uh, in the Pacific Northwest and also as someone who cares about this country. And clearly also I am running for Congress to represent CD3. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and switch gears though today because I wanna finish up talking about what I was talking about last week, which is the topic of marriage. And I left you guys talking about the three things that were needed in order to establish uh, a trust in a marriage. Intimacy takes three things. It takes time, trust, and truth. Uh, Mom and dad, if you weren't listening to me last week, I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna jump into a topic that is sort of tender. So if you've got young ears around you, this might be a time for you to say, hey, let's turn off Heidi's podcast for right now and you can come back and listen to it when when you don't have your kids. This is my one and only warning. This may not be friendly for children today. So we left talking uh, about the two separate languages that men and women tend to speak. And again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you, these are generalities. I understand that sometimes we cross over, sometimes we, uh, the, the, the woman is gonna be more like this than the man is. But generally speaking, and I think you can see yourselves in this area, even if the roles are reversed a little bit, for men, generally sex leads to a better emotional connection. And generally speaking, for women, an emotional connection leads to better sex. In other words, uh, we're very complicated people, particularly women. Men, not so much, I think, but women are definitely more complicated in terms of that emotional connection. We talked about it a little bit last week, the fact that we need the to feel connected to our husband. We want to feel like he's listening to us. I want to feel like we're on the same page, that we've had 
an opportunity to at least talk to each other about what is so important uh, in our marriage so that, you know, when the when the day is over and we have an opportunity to connect intimately to have uh, the opportunity to really connect physically with each other, that that emotional connection is there. Generally, and Jay and I have taught this workshop all over the country for many, many years. Generally, we'll hear from the guys, well, I just feel so disconnected from my wife. It's hard for me to connect emotionally to her because I feel so physically distant from her. Uh, And this is especially true when we're uh, in seasons of stress, right? And so when you talk to a homeschool mom, especially, or a mom who's got a bunch of little kids at her house or whatever, and she's got all of these physical demands on her all day long, typically the last thing she wants at the end of the day is another demand put on her or what feels like a demand. But intimacy in marriage is extremely important and it cannot be uh, overstated. I read this quote last week and I'll read it again. Great sex is much more than a physical act. When you and your partner are connected on multiple levels, such as mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, your sex life will even be better than you could ever have imagined. That's from a gal called uh, Janet Zimmerman. And I completely agree with her. So I want to spend just a little bit of time today talking about the three things that I believe intimacy requires. The first thing is time. You guys, good marriages don't just happen. They don't. They require time. They require intentionality. And years ago, when Jay and I were uh, in the early stages of raising our seven children, and by early stages, I mean, we'd already been married for probably 10 years at this point. And we realized our lives have taken this just crazy busy turn, right? So Jay's working full-time out of our home. I'm homeschooling seven children. We've got all of these things happening at our home simultaneously. And what was happening was we weren't connecting anymore because all of our energy was going either A, to his job or B, to our children. And there began to be this sort of disconnect between me and my husband. And so we endeavored to uh, make sure that we were spending time together. So one of the things that we did as soon as our kids were old enough to just be left at home alone for say an hour, an hour and a half, as we started taking long walks together and we would walk, you know, two miles to uh, the nearest coffee shop. And we kind of got in the habit of going in the evenings to the grocery store. So they would see us at, you know, Salmon Creek Albertsons and the people would be like, oh, there's just, you know, don't worry about that. That's just Jay and Heidi. They're probably not even going to buy anything. They're going to wander around the frozen food section and uh, they're going to be sanctif- getting sanctified in their marriage, right? Because we were talking about our day. It just, the idea was to be away from our, our kids and away from the phone and away from the stress of just what had become our everyday life so that we could reconnect. And those moments, those touchstones in our marriage became very, very precious. And so the times that we were shopping for apples on a very limited budget and making sure that we had enough food in the house and making sure that we hadn't run out of milk and whatever, they became times for us to really reconnect with each other. And, and for Jay to talk to me about what was going on at work uninterrupted. And for me to talk to him about how homeschooling was going and, um, and what, what was happening at the home while he was gone all day long at work. And those years that we really leaned into the little bit of free time that we had turned out to be very, very precious to us in our marriage. And I think so many uh, couples we miss this incredible opportunity to just say, hey, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to what is going on in, in your job. And, and you know, listen, guys, we've talked about this a lot at the podcast over the years, or at least I have. And I brought different people on the show talking about marriage and sort of, you know, um, aspects of marriage and, and what worked and what didn't work in different people's relationships. But I'm telling you what, you guys, without that commitment of time, 
your marriage will struggle. You've got to commit time to it. You can't just plant a garden, uh, right? It's 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 summertime now, coming up on summertime, although you'd never know from the garbage weather we're having uh, in the Pacific Northwest this summer, but it's summertime here in the Pacific Northwest and people have their gardens planted and you can see it, especially now because of what's happening in the economy. I am seeing more and more people um, getting chickens and planting gardens and taking care of their own uh, property and trying to become self-sustaining. Well, your marriage should be self-sustaining too. You can't have a self-sustaining farm or a little garden in your backyard and just let the weeds grow up and the slugs eat the uh, eat your plants. You have to be vigilant. The same thing is true in your marriage. Good marriages require time. The second thing that a good marriage requires is trust. You have to be able to trust each other. Uh, it takes a lifetime to build trust. It really does. It's a lifetime of being faithful. It's a lifetime of honoring your word. I filled out a candidate questionnaire the other day uh, from Ballotpedia. And one of the questions was, you know, what is it that you want your legacy to be? And I thought, well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question to ask a candidate, somebody who's running for office. You know, what is your, what's the legacy that you want to leave? And I said that I want part of my legacy to be that I was faithful in my marriage and faithful to my family and that they could look back and say, you know, our mom wasn't perfect, right? Because nobody is, but boy, she was faithful and she loved our dad. I also said that I wanted to leave a footprint for freedom that was so big that my grandkids could see it from space. (laughs) I, I also said that, but listen, trust takes a lifetime to build, but it only takes a nanosecond to destroy it. And there are several things that can destroy trust. And we've talked about them over the years here at the show. Obviously, you guys, if there's pornography in your home, get rid of it. Men, this is an absolute trust killer for your marriage. It absolutely is. And you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of struggle. And in fact, what we've told our boys, you know, both of our boys are grown now. Uh, and in fact, one of our sons is, is married to a beautiful, amazing young woman But we used to tell our boys when they were growing up, when the issue of pornography would come up or if there was a struggle that either of them had with it in our home. And we had open discussions about this when our kids were growing up. I remember Jay just saying to the boys one time, hey, listen, do you want to have great sex? And of course, the answer is always, well, yeah, dad, I mean, come on, right? And he would say, then stay away from pornography. If you want to have great sex with your wife, if you want to establish right now the trajectory for your marriage, then be careful what you allow your heart and your mind to dwell on. And pornography is sin. The Bible says in Philippians, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, let your mind think on these things. And porn is an absolute killer of trust. It's a killer of love inside of a marriage. And women, the same thing is true for you. What are you reading? You know, I I met a woman in Florida several years ago who was telling me that her Bible study had morphed into a book club, which I, I was like, okay, well, you know, huge problems, right? Red flag, red flag. You know, your Bible study's morphed into a book club. But in the book club, they had started to read Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, why are you doing that? And she said, well, because, you know, we've, we've discovered it's really bringing a lot of fun and excitement back into the marriage. And I, was, I said, in any other universe, the, the guy, the, the hero in that story would be in prison. If you'd put him instead of in a mansion with all this money, if he just lived in a creepy little rundown uh, manufactured home, you know, a trailer park out in the middle of nowhere, he'd be, he'd be listed as a serial predator. But because this guy has access to airplanes and money, somehow we think that's sexy. Women, you got to have discernment in the things that you allow uh, into your heart and into your mind. And so uh, get rid of that stuff. You know, don't allow it a place in your marriage. And instead, 
you know, work to become the person that your husband cannot wait to be with. I've said this forever. You know, Jay and I are coming up on 33 years of marriage and one of my lifelong goals always has been, and I hope always will be until the Lord takes me home, is to uh, earn the affections and keep the affections of the man that I love. You know, uh, it takes time and it takes trust. And I trust him. I trust him. And as uh, as married couples, we know the tender places. Jay knows exactly. We've been married a long time. I know exactly how to wound him, right? I know, the, I, I would know exactly the thing to say. He would know exactly the thing to say to wound me. Why? Because we're married, because we know each other's strengths and we know each other's weaknesses. And so, uh, guys, love your wife. Be tender with her. Be careful what you say. And women, respect your husband. Uh, nurture that relationship, that trust in the marriage is so important. I got one more aspect to this. Might be one of the most important ones. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll jump into it. All right. So before the break, we were talking about the three things that are required. It's time was the first one. And I was saying, just like you can't uh, plant a garden, just leave it. It'll go to seed. You can't get married and then just expect that your marriage is going to take care of itself. You've got to be committed to restoring uh, and nurturing and watering the beautiful garden that is your marriage. And I'm telling you what, you guys, good things will come from it. Fruit will come from it. A lifetime of satisfaction and respite is found in a good marriage. And as uh, the years go by, I told you before the break, Jay and I are coming up on our 33rd wedding anniversary. As the years go by, it becomes even more precious to us. The second thing was trust. Remember uh, I said before the break that trust takes a lifetime to build, but only a nanosecond to destroy it. If you are in a marriage right now and, and that is what's happened in your marriage that you have somehow for whatever reason, the trust in the marriage has been destroyed. I just wanna encourage you, don't give up uh, because it can be restored. And I think as we as we talk about what it means to live a wholeheartedly in our marriage relationships, as we talk about what it means to invest time and what it means to um, build trust. If you have uh, damaged that trust and we, and you know, women and men, we could be talking about um, all kinds, there are all kinds of ways, right? That you can destroy uh, trust inside a marriage. You can destroy trust by um, getting involved in emotional relationships. You can destroy trust by just showing your wife or your, uh, or your, or your husband that you care about other things more than you, than you care about the marriage. Certainly these are things, it doesn't just have to be a breach of trust through pornography or through uh, an affair. You can break down trust in a lot of different ways. If you're continually women, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I, I was at an event several years ago. I can't even remember what state I was in, but I heard a woman in front of the entire room um, basically just bad-mouthing her husband. She was talking about this, you know, a stupid thing that he had done and embarrassing him. And that is a way to break trust. You want to break trust with your husband, embarrass him, you know? We need to treat each other tenderly and with respect. There's nobody on the planet who's uh, who I want to hear the truth from in my life, who I want to love me and tell me the truth more than Jay St. John. And we have spent a lifetime nurturing that relationship with each other. And so you want to be tender, uh, men and women with each other, and do not breach the trust that has been given to you on the day that you said, I do, that you said, I'm going to be the, the most faithful person in your life, the person who's not going to talk about you behind your back, the person who's not going to malign you or make fun of you or belittle you. Um, and um, the obvious things, you know, are 
uh, emotional affairs and physical affairs and uh, things like pornography, which are the obvious eroders of a marriage. But there are lots of different ways to erode trust in a marriage. And if you're wondering, gosh, I wonder if if this is me, if, if something's tugging at your heart, probably a good idea to spend a little bit of time with your spouse and say, hey, um, how are we doing in this area? You know, do you feel like you can trust me? And reaffirm your love for them and what makes you a trustworthy uh, partner, a life partner. So, so important. And then the last thing, obviously, is uh, truth. So it's uh, the three T's of intimacy and marriage, time, trust, and truth. I've always told my kids, do not mistake rudeness for honesty. Uh, in the name of, you know, well, I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I've, I've watched people just tear each other down. I've done it, right? I think, I think uh, in a lot of ways, you know, we're, we're, we are all guilty of this on one level or another where we, we say the thing that we wanted to say and we defend it by saying, well, that was truthful. But you have to ask yourself, was it helpful? So if it's truthful, but you don't speak the truth in love, the Bible says that you just sound like a gong. Well, I'm old enough to remember the gong show, right? If you've never, never heard a big giant gong, there's a reason why, uh, why the Bible says that if you, if you speak, but you don't have love, you just sound like a clanging cymbal or a gong. In other words, the, the thing that you said can't be received. And in other words, uh, in many cases, it does more damage than is even helpful. So even though you might say the thing that is true, if you can't be loving in your approach, the Bible says in Proverbs that right words spoken in the right time are like apples of gold in a silver setting. So women, you could say the the right thing to your husband, but maybe the wrong time is right after he's come off of a, a 10 hour workday and he's come home and he's exhausted. And then you meet him at the front door and you lay all this extra burden at his feet and then you wonder why it backfires. Uh, right words spoken in the right time. And I would say with the right heart and the right attitude. So what does a right word look like? Well, as I told you guys in the very beginning, a couple of days ago when we were talking about this, my husband and I, I think probably about 12 years into our marriage and we were just, I felt like we were having kids. You know, every couple of years, a new baby was coming home. The bills were piling up. Um, there was, he was, Jay was taking on more responsibility at work. I had started a homeschool co-op in the little town in Northern Washington where we lived. We had a lot of pressure on us. Um, as a couple during that time. And especially for me, from my perspective, at least uh, in the area of intimacy with my husband, it really was like at the bottom of my list because I just felt sort of henpecked all day long, right? You know, babies needing attention. Um, kids are have homework assignments. You've got a house that you're trying to manage. And I wanted to do all those things well, but I felt that there was definitely not a terrible divide, but a enough of a divide and of a, a distance between the two of us that I started to uh, I started to notice it. And when Jay and I went out for coffee that one morning when his parents came over and they they watched our kids, when he sat across the table from me and he said he missed me, there were echoes in my mind of conversations that I heard my own parents engaging in. And I realized that God was giving me an opportunity to address what my husband was saying to me and to hear it with an open heart and open hands. And so, so it was several days later, as I recall, because he, you know, my, my first reaction to him was, well, what do you mean you miss me? I'm, I'm here all the time. You know, you come home from work and I'm in the same spot in the kitchen every single night and I'm, uh, the crock pot's going and I'm trying to get the kids to clean up the house and all the things. What do you mean you miss me? 
And he said, well, I miss the girl that I, that I married. I miss, I miss that girl. You know, the one that we, we dreamed with, we took drives. And of course, I'm still in defense mode because I'm thinking of all of the areas of my life where I felt like I was not measuring up. You know, like I said the other day, I felt like everybody else's house was cleaner. Everybody else's homeschool was going better than mine. Um, everybody else's marriage was better. And here I'm just, to me, it was just one more criticism. It was very, very hard for me to put those things down and just hear with an open heart what Jay was trying to say. And so it took a few days of me just like, okay, Lord, show me um, how I can um, understand the heart of my husband better because I know he, I know he loves me. And I know that we want our marriage to thrive. But in my state of feeling defense, defensive, I couldn't hear him. And so it took a couple of days and I finally said to him, all right, you know, let's talk about, um, let's talk about our sex life. It was a very, it was hard for me to just, and I, th- I know a lot of women can relate to me. It was hard for me to make myself that vulnerable with my husband. And so I sort of made a joke of it, right? You know, and I said, so how would you rate our sex life on a scale of say like nine to 10? Because what I was saying was, listen, I'm willing to have this conversation with you, but please be tender with me. Please, you know, if I wasn't going to say on a scale of zero to 10, just on the off chance that he would say, oh, it's a three, you know, uh, I wanted him to say, listen, these are the things that I wish that it would be, that it would be, here's some questions I have for you. And you know what? Because we were willing to engage in that conversation all those years ago, it really did give me kind of a measure sort of a a way that I can understand the heart of my husband. And these are conversations that we have revisited dozens of times over 33 years of marriage. It matters to me and it matters to Jay that we are listening to each other and that we are um, concerned with how the other person is feeling. This is the heartbeat of a good marriage. And so I want to just encourage you, you know, if you're feeling like, boy, we're just in a season that we're in the doldrums, like right here, Right now, at the time of this recording in the Pacific Northwest, it's, you know, it's June. And for whatever reason, we're in this weird weather pattern. And so the we're in what I call the doldrums. So we're sort of, I feel like weather-wise, we're sort of out on the ocean and there's no wind and there's really no sun. And, and you know, the weather's not terrible, but it's just not good. It's like overcast and, and, uh, and cloudy. We're just like, oh, please, we just want the sun to come out. I know some of you are listening to that right now and you're feeling that way in your marriage. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in the doldrums in your marriage, the only way to get out of it is through prayer and honest conversation with your spouse. And if you need to get marriage counseling, you know, see a pastor at your church or whatever, talk to another married couple that's been around for a while, uh, whose marriage is healthy and can give you good counsel, your marriage is worth investing in. And if that means uh, getting counseling, then get it. And if that means uh, making sure that you have a date night, at least one night a week, where it's just the two of you and you're not uh, taking care of your children or taking care of other people or working or having outside responsibilities, nurture your marriage. Um, One of the, uh, our favorite things to do, Jay and I, as our kids have gotten older now, and they're gone a lot, right, during the week. So it's different in a campaign season, right? So at the time of this recording, I'm running for Congress and our life is crazy busy. I'm gone, you know, sometimes six nights a week. And oftentimes, more often than not, Jay is with me. But what we discovered was if we can just get away for a few minutes in the morning, if we can just um, have a lunchtime together, so maybe we meet at Subway and we have a salad or whatever it is, we have an opportunity to connect with each other. Those touch points, it brings me back to what I was talking about the other day, creates this tapestry, this beautiful uh, interweaving 
that the Bible says in Ecclesiastes makes for a strong relationship. The Bible says that a, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if you're listening to this today and you're living parallel lives or you haven't had those conversations or you can just feel the, the tension rising in, in, in your relationship, I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Your marriage is worth fighting for. So don't give up. Uh, learn to see the point of view of, the, of your spouse and then listen to them. Uh, listen to them. Really be willing to say, I, I want to listen and not just so that I can get my point across. I want to listen so that I can understand you and I can be understood. And so uh, don't give up. Learn to see that, that your spouse's point of view. Listen to each other and finally take it to the Lord in prayer. Be willing. There have been many times over 33 years of marriage that I have taken very tender things to the Lord in prayer. God is interested in your marriage. He wants your marriage to thrive. And that includes sexually. It's not just emotionally. It's not just um, um, physically or financially. God wants your marriage to thrive in every single way because marriage is from the Lord. He created it. It's a gift to uh, to us to be able to in, to enjoy a good marriage. There's nothing like it. Nothing compares to it. Nothing even comes close. And so I just want to encourage you guys uh, to nurture your marriages. I've written a book called The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance. Don't let the title fool you. Uh, I wrote it particularly for homeschool moms who just found themselves with a myriad of things to do. But we have heard from people over the years who have read this book out loud with each other, husbands and wives whose marriages have been transformed by what God gave me that I wrote in that book. Again, that's called The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance. You can find it anywhere the books are sold. Probably the easiest place to get it is at HeidiStJohn.com. Just go to the store there and you can find every book that I have ever written, including that one. I hope this was, has been an encouragement to you. I'm going to come back tomorrow and have a guest on my show. We're going to be talking to Jen Hoffman. She works for a, uh, a pregnancy resource um, ministry, and they are really helping women make the choice to uh, nurture the lives of their unborn babies. It's going to be a wonderful interview, so come back for that. And again, you guys can find my book, The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance by going to HeidiStJohn.com. Don't forget, also, we've got a brand new Bible study that we are in the midst of right now teaching about discernment and how important it is to be able to test all things. You can find out more about that at MomStrongInternational.com. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith 